Dead or alive, you are coming with me. I want us to be good little boys now so we can fight some more for them in the future. Some more they'll decide on. We'd rather fight our own war right now. Without further ado, it's time to start running! I see three of them out there. Hit the one in the middle. Right! Hit the one in the middle. It's rusted junk, and we're looking at it. Hello, and welcome to season three, episode two of Rusted Junk, where we look at the 1981 film Escape from New York, starring Kurt Russell, Lee Van Cleef, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Harry Dean Stanton, and Adrian Barbeau. crime rate in the United States rises 400%. 1991, the United States police force is formed. 1997, New York City is a walled maximum security prison. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Kurt Russell. Van Cleef, Ernest Borgnine, Donald Pleasance, Isaac Hayes, Season Hubley, Harry Dean Stanton as Brain. Adrian Barbeau as Maggie. John Carpenter's Escape from New York. The ultimate adventure of escape and survival. So, Escape from New York, Mm. 1981. Um, yeah, see that trailer is it is very much a a relic of the past. It's yeah. kind of like so. So usually when we play the trailer at the start, it gives you an indication of what's going on, and you know it. That trailer set the scene, mm. but then it doesn't give you any indication of what happens in the film. No, pretty much. It just says New York, nineteen ninety seven. It's a war prison, um, and by the way, here's all here's the cast, um, including one season Hubley. Um, which we'll get to in Roll Call, um, who had one scene in the film. <laughs> um, she was in it for approximately four minutes, I would think. Oh, it's not that long. It's not that long. No. Okay. But anyway, she gets a credit in the uh, in the trailer. So you, you're pretty much none the wiser from, from listening to that. If you go and Google it, you watch it, and it's uninspiring. And now we're talking about, and while we're on the subject of, of uninspiring... <laughs> um, I'm going to say ladies first on this one. Um, let's have the marks out of ten. Let's go straight into the marks well, out of ten. Do you know what? I actually thought I'd seen this movie. <laughs> okay. And I realised I hadn't. Okay. Well, it's it's another one of those drive-bys, isn't it? I was walking through the lounge. I caught a little bit on the TV. Oh, my God. Yeah, I must have done that. Okay. Seriously. Um... Can I just point out, your your household TV when you're growing up had all the classics. 
on at some point and you walk past most of them. So, uh, and it wasn't even like a lounge to walk through. No, it's not really, it's is it? The lounge did you just you go did to you walk the lounge? In, watch the TV for about thirty to forty seconds. Possibly. Turn around and then come back straight back out. Possibly, right. or or it might have been on the telly and I flicked it on. Right. And then thought, nah, not, not nah. really bothered about that. And then turned it over, switched it over to something else. Okay. Well, don't when, well. So, <laughs> you, you score though. Oh, I was really hoping this was going to be a good action movie. Because this was your suggestion. Yeah, it was. I was really excited about it. Something something was warning me off it, but, in the sense of, you, you saw it, Charles, there's obviously something in it that means you're not going, oh my goodness, if we're doing 80s thriller films, we've got to do Escape from New York. There's something in my head saying that. And we're going to find out why. Well, my score, I was really desperately trying to give it a six, but I couldn't. It's only five. Right, it's a okay. five. Yeah. Uh, well, let's hope this doesn't continue throughout the uh, but but our, this season. Uh, our scores are bang on again. Oh, right. Okay. Well, weirdly, was it the Brussels sprouts thing? Is it Brussels sprouts? It's not Brussels sprouts. Rotten tomatoes. Oh. Good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? At, at home, I don't blame you now for thinking, oh, she thought she wanted to put a gag in and she created a gag. That's genuine. She genuinely probably thought the site was called Brussels Sprouts. We should we should have the score called Brussels Sprout. What, our score? Yeah. 50%? Yeah. Barely. <laughs> okay, well, that means you can give it degrees in between four and five. Oh, okay. I'll give it 42. <laughs> right. um, 86% it got. <coughs> Tomatoes, eighty six percent. Well, it's the Emperor's New Clothes. Uh, it really is this. But it wasn't like reviews left like in the eighties. This is these are like recent reviews as well. And yeah, I don't know because I was thinking, oh, I'm getting quite excited about this film. So yeah. I thought I did a little bit of you know googling, bit of research, had a look at IMDb and all the reviews. I was like, this looks amazing. Like, everyone's, like, raving about it. It was hardly any, like, bad scores. Hmm. And those that were were just like, oh, it's Marmite, basically. You either love it or you hate it. Right. So, everyone that loves Marmite basically loved the movie. Well, you know what I mean. So, you've got to like Marmite if you... <laughs> to watch this go from you... If you haven't watched it, by the way, and you just listen to us rattle on every time we do it, and then go, oh, I'll catch it at some point. Um, some people might yeah. not even know what Marmite is. You need to have Marmite. Vegemite. They call it Vegemite in the Australia. Yeah. I think they must call it Vegemite in the... I don't know. Let's call oh, okay. It well, anyway, it's something. a, it's a, it's a yeast-based <laughs> okay. um, malt yeast extract, um, kind of brown, pasty thing that you put in, like sandwiches, you can put it on toast. It tastes a bit like Bovril, but then people might not know about Bovril. Twiglets. <laughs> For those Twiglets. of you expecting a review at some point, <laughs> all I'll say is hold on. It, it'll be here some oh, point or some okay. discussion of the film anyway yeah so I wasn't overly impressed I'm afraid uh, it's another Leviathan oh I can't believe I'm no I'm not I'm not putting them in the same bracket because it is a it is a bona fide it's a bona fide classic to a great many people right mm. so I am the one that's off here not the rest of the public there's enough of them that have watched it there's enough of them that go Wow, what a character. 
there's enough people like yourself that thought, oh, yeah, oh, God, it's an amazing film. Yeah, we've got to, got to cover it. And I think it might be that a case of they haven't gone in and, and looked at it for a while. Well, we looked at the second film oh, that God. was done years ago. Well, later. I knew that was... I knew the second film Escape was Escape from L.A. Escape from L.A. Awful. was in 1998, I believe. Oh, God, it's dreadful. Yeah, it's going to be later than it's, that. It's, it, it's, it's nasty. You know, it's not even quite... Mm. It, there's scenes in it which are just totally out, totally out of place. Mm. The, the two films are completely unrelated apart from one character. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'd advise you don't check it out. Um, I, I put it as people putting Snake Plissken on a level with other like iconic characters from the 80s, Ripley from Aliens. You know, they go, Ripley from Aliens, or Snake Plissken, Deckard from Blade Runner. Mm. And when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, this is, this is somebody looking at Blade Runner. See, I can, I can bet that if we can, I mean, it could be on the table at some point, Although we are so far away from forgotten 80 movies when we talk about Blade Runner because mm, people still wax lyrical about it today. And rightly so, because Blade Runner is a classic. Blade Runner demands repeated viewing in, in many different ways to, to look at You know what? All it's the been a while since I've seen that and I oh, really must. All the performances. Well, I've got it on 4K, so we'll watch it on 4K hey. at some point. But it, that 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 deserves and and say demands respect when you watch it because it's just so good. Again, Ridley Scott being the defining. Ridley Scott is good at creating characters. Yeah. He's good at creating that sort of thing. Didn't create this one though. No, it didn't. But then you know we'll get into John Carpenter when we do roll call because we don't normally bring the director in. No, oh, hello, John. Hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, he wouldn't come in. Not with our scores. Uh, wait a minute, I, I'd want to check on that and check he's still alive. Still <laughs> yeah, he's still alive, that's oh, why. Oh, is he? Yeah, he is. He's, uh, very, he's born in 1948. So, yeah. Yeah, he's alright. Still a springish chicken, I suppose. 48, look at your counter on your finger. He's 72. He is 72, I got there! Right, okay, eventually, yeah. <laughs> Gen- genuinely counting on fingers yes I'm glad you're glad you've got me sometimes because I paint the visual picture that none of you can see but here we here we are um, you paint me out like I'm a you're lovely like really you are dim, you, oh you're so lovely but good I'm lord a, you have your moments I'm a professional woman you you are <laughs> you are you are a professional woman and I respect you I, 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 no no I do I, I genuinely respect you because I just Thank think you. you're incredible at what you do but not my film however <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to I don't know you enjoy films <laughs> you you genuinely enjoy films you turn around like a good TV series a good film yeah. you genuinely enjoy it not lost though however what would have you would have still stuck to your guns if I'd said to you oh this is a nine look at it it's Escape from New York it's Snake Plissken what are you talking about you still would have gone, no, that's five. So I like the fact that you watch it. I mean, I'll still never forgive you and the rest of Nerd Alert for marking down Breakfast Club as long as I live. Oh, God, it just will never Let's happen. Let's not go there. Well, I only got one more point than this. Well, uh, well, you're all wrong. You, you were all wrong about that. You're still wrong. Um, but then I contrasted it, and you think, we started out with Commando. I could go back and watch Commando 
repeatedly. I don't, not regularly, <laughs> but I could go back and watch it I again. Could, I could watch Commando again. Yeah, and you could go, oh, because you could, you, you'd especially probably get more out of it because you watched it for the first, you watched it for the first time, and you hadn't seen it. No. So there's the, everything in it will be kind of like, oh, right, okay, I look for this and I look for that. Whereas I just enjoy it as a film. I'd just like be a bit annoyed again with all the um, really bad, poor stunt. Well, action, you know, sliced. Well, here's your choice. You watch Commando or Escape from New York? Well, yeah. I couldn't watch Escape from New York. No, I don't think I could watch it again. No. Even Donald Pleasance was rubbish. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. He didn't do a lot, did he, really? Well, he played the president. He, he got in a pod. Well, he's still, uh, then he's still disappeared. Donald Pleasance. I mean, and know. then, like, was handcuffed and probably beaten up a little bit. But he didn't really do a lot. He was just up against a wall and, and <laughs> kind of running. Although he couldn't run very fast because he was too fat. Oh, crikey. Well, do you want to, before we go into the film... Do we, should we do roll call? Do you want to do let's see, if you if we're going Donald Pleasance and we're going going straight in? Should we go in on roll call? Yeah, go on then. Okay, now it's time for roll call then. Roll call. Okay. Um, unusually, I'm going to start with the director because it's his fault. No, no. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's a great many people that fault for for bad films. Um, is it the director's fault or would it be the producer's fault? I don't. Uh, I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy the graph. I didn't enjoy the effects. I didn't enjoy. Oh, they were it almost rubbish. felt like. Yeah, it almost felt like the effects were an afterthought. It felt like. Although I will say that when we get to trivia time, there's some good things about the effects. Um, <laughs> no, that- no. Yeah, yeah, I, and on, honestly, and it's just one standout particular effect, okay. and how they did it, uh, and I was quite surprised at that, and I was, yeah, I thought it was pretty good, but you, you can't get away from the guy, this is the guy that directed Assault on Precinct 13, this is the guy that directed Dark Star, this is the guy that directed Halloween, this is the guy that directed The Fog, this is also the guy that directed The Thing, which... Coming a year after, same brooding soundtrack that it's got. There are different composers. John Carpenter actually did most of, uh, scored most of his films. He was actually the composer in the majority of them. But the thing is, is possibly, you know, when you sit down and you look at great horror films of the of the eighties, the thing is is has got to be in people's top ten. It's it, it's one of those films that is so well shot so well put together the cast are incredible the sense of um, isolation and the sense of fear because you're stuck basically in this place with this thing um, with this alien it's incredible and when you put the two films next to each other both of them with Kurt Russell in the lead role they are polar opposites and I, I, and I know people don't write to us as often as I'd like them to but please, write in if you think I'm completely and utterly wrong on that. Because it's 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 easy to think that, oh, yeah, 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 it's not. The, the two films are just different. The Thing is a nine. I mean, we haven't even done it yet. But I The Thing is it, just incredible. So but you'd never about. watch it. You'd never watch it because it's a, it's a horror film. Oh, well, there we well, say When I say horror film, it's it's got some scenes in it. But it's it's more 
brooding. It's more that thriller type. Ugh, it's kind of that's the beauty of the thing. Is you can't, anyway, we're not here to do the thing, no, but I just not. wanted to raise it that it that it's really good. Dom, so do you think? This ah, wait a, a minute, no, Dom, if you're listening, put the thing on the list. That might be the film that you and I do. Um, because um, yeah, shout out to Dom. Yeah, well, shout out for him because because he's because he's the one that said I'd like to come on when you do horror film. Oh, okay, yeah, gladly. I don't want to watch any of that. There you go. Your invitation is paved <laughs> with gold. Paved with gold. Right. So, but then looking at other films that we've done, you've got Starman with Jeff Bridges, which is really good. You've got Big Trouble in Little China again with Kurt Russell. So you know, he liked Kurt Russell, didn't he? He did because he then went and did Escape from LA with him back in in nineteen ninety six. Um, but he did films like They Live. They Live, if you don't know what it, is, what it is, the planet has basically been taken over by aliens masquerading as humans. And there's only a select few that can see that these are aliens. And if you put on your special glasses, you can see it all for yourself. It's all metaphors. It's all like, you know... Um, Everyone seems to be taken over, bit, bit like, <laughs> a bit like, a uh, bit like, like it is at the moment. You know, you see quite a lot of swathes we've got of people. Aliens at the moment. No, 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 we're not aliens, but um, you know, when people go, well, I can't make sense of, of it. You know, I can't make sense of that the world around us at the moment. Hmm. People then go back to they live and go, oh yeah, it's a bit like this, and include like a meme or a gif or something like that about it, and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I can see what you're thinking of. So, John Carpenter is responsible for quite a lot of good films. Mm. But, anyway, um, it's enough about John Carpenter. He's very versatile. I mean, he stopped making films, really, after a certain amount, a certain time. And he just didn't didn't sort of make them anymore. Um, but the ones that he has got, I mean, The Fog. The Fog is incredible. But, anyway, um, Kurt Russell. So, <laughs> we are... We don't do this at the end now. We do a little, tiny little bit of a game where I think she might have a fighting chance of little does she know. Oh, God. Right. Well, uh, I've already told you... So, I've already told you three. So, you can't have the three that i told you. So, Kurt Russell, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, go. Give me three other Kurt Russell films. Um, well, it, um, Bird on a Wire? Uh... No, that was Mel Gibson, Goldie Hall. Oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, this is great. I love this bit. Oh, good Lord. It's seriously good. No. No? I, I, Not even one more. Kurt Russell. Oh. No. Okay. I can't. I can't. I can't uh, do we've it. watched, well, we've definitely uh, watched uh, one of the films. In fact, two. In fact, three. Possibly three of the films. Oh, hang on. Yeah. He plays Thingy's dad, doesn't he? Thingy's dad. Uh, the, the Thing's dad. No, <laughs> that no. That sequel um, half. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, he does. That's right. There we go. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Starman. Star-Lord's dad. Star-Lord. Yeah. Yes, his dad. Go. Yes, there we go. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's enough for the cogs. I don't think the cogs are going any further. Uh, is there any more? Well, see, oh, when, I tell you, when I tell you some of them... Oh, go on. Weirdly... Then. Weirdly, I was having this conversation with Joe from Nerd Alert Podcast, and I said, I don't know why, but the film Overboard comes to comes to mind when I think of Kurt Russell. Was he in it? Yes. Oh. In 1987, he starred with Goldie Horn. Oh, that's Goldie what Horn, I was thinking of then. The millionaire, she's a millionaire, she hits her head, she loses her memory, and he convinces her that she's his wife. 
<laughs> because she wants he wants the money and all of that. Oh, that's a typical Goldie Hawn right. movie, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But then from Overboard, let's look at where Kurt Russell went, because I think it's great. He started in a film called Tequila Sunrise, which I remember. It's Michelle Pfeiffer and Mel Gibson. Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. But then, pretty much stratospheric, because he did Tango and Cash, which is with Sylvester Stallone. Oh, what, what a film. I could, I could stop the podcast and watch that right now. It's just so good. Um, Backdraft. Do you remember him in Backdraft? The Robert oh, De Niro. I didn't realise he was in that. Yep, absolutely. Oh. Tombstone. He played Wyatt Earp. The two Wyatt Earp films came out a year apart. He played um, Wyatt Earp in Tombstone, and Kevin Costner, <laughs> better in pretty much everything, was played Wyatt Earp a year later in the film Wyatt Earp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Stargate. He was in Stargate with James Spader. Don't remember that. So James Spader gets James Spader always gets a little way in, finds <laughs> a little finds a little you? way in. Well, he's in it, so is um, it like six degrees of, of you know six separation. degrees of James Spader? So it's like how you can link James Spader into each of our films. Oh, well, I, I will try and find a way. At every point, there'll be some sort of um, executive decision. Now, do you remember? No. Okay, wait a minute. I'm looking. I'm looking at the, the vacant thing, vacant expression. Vacant thing. The vacant expression. <laughs> sorry. Um, I don't know why I've got things on them because <laughs> we just talked about things. Um, executive decision: the plane uh, that gets hijacked, um, and they have to get on board, and they go in the stealth bomber, and they link underneath, and it's oh got Steven God. Seagal in it, no. and Kurt Russell. No. Kurt Russell is incredible in executive decision. He's really good. Okay. Um, Escape from LA we've got to mention um, a film called Soldier which is pretty good um, Breakdown um, uh, Breakdown is a wonderful film it's the film I'm going to highlight that I think you should go and watch um, if you can find it um, him and his wife break down um, that's it that's all I'm going to tell what, you what as in mental just, breakdown no 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 just breakdown car breakdown oh in the of okay right okay uh, but now he was in Death Proof with the Tarantino film. He was also in The Hateful Eight, um, and more recently he's been in Fast and the Furious. Oh, so he's been seen in the later those. ones. So yeah. Um, next, I'm not gonna. This, that's where <laughs> that's where little does she know ends. Yeah, unfortunately, awesome. that's fine. <laughs> I've kept the name. Uh, Lee Van Cleef, famous for uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. For a few dollars more, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, basically played a good cowboy basically played a good role um, in this well he was he's he's good but you know he just plays Lee Van Cleef and when you get to trivia time I'll tell you a bit more about how is we is he the guy the, that basically gives Snake the, the ultimatum yeah puts the implants in and yeah right okay he's okay I, I mean he's a great actor don't get me wrong but he's okay in this um, Ernest uh, he passed away in 1989 Lee Van Cleef um, Ernest Borgnine. Who? What's he famous for? Cabby. The guy who played Cabby. Oh. Um, I have seen him before. He kept reminding me of like... Um, I know it wasn't him. Because he was driving a cab. <laughs> I think... <laughs> is okay, it, where are we going with this? Bruce Willis gets in a cab with a really mad cab driver. No, it's Scrooged. I'm thinking of Scrooged. Okay. You know, so, the cab driver Completely different Scrooged. genre film. Completely different actors. I know. See the how only, my mind works. The only thing that's taxi cab, taxi cab, right? That's the thing that links it. So, yeah, 
So file that under films with taxi cabs in. Yeah. Not many of them. Taxi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, he's uh, Dominic Santini in Airwolf. He plays Stringfellow Hawks, co-pilot, best mate. No. No. Wow. Most people would just look at Ernest. Most people of my age in the UK would look at Ernest Borgnine and say it's my Dominic age. Santini. There's only two years, less than two years between us. Yeah, but you never watch TV. I say. People of my I age that watch actually TV. watch TV rather I than had some friends. sit there and play with dolls or something. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing at that time. Something like that. Um, Donald Pleasance is pretty much famous for not this film. Um, probably not. James oh, oh, Bond. Donald Pleasance. Do you know, I couldn't find... I know that he is in James Bond, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. And I know that he is. Is he? Well, he must be. Wait a minute, I'm going or to look it up. are we getting our um, Bond villains mixed up? Well, the thing about it is you look at Donald Pleasance and you think he's got to be, he's got to have been James Bond. Wait a minute, this is an example of me not actually doing my... Research. Maybe I didn't go back far enough. Maybe I, sh- I should have gone back. So... Why don't you just type in, is Donald Pleasance in Bond movie? What? <laughs> Donald Pleasance Bond. Donald Pleasance Bond. Here we go. No. Wasn't in it? What am I getting mixed up with then? Well, I don't know, because now you've got me thinking that he actually was involved. he looks like one of the baddies. Well, he looks like Blofeld. He looks Is he like... not the one with the cat on his lap? No, that... Oh, <laughs> I had to phrase that <laughs> That right was Blofeld, there. yeah. No. And if he's I... not the one that says, No, Miss... No, I expect no, you to die, that's, um, Mr. Bond. Oh, what's his name? Oh, that's the gingery-haired guy, isn't it? Oh, that's Goldfinger himself. Eh? Oh. Oh, anyway, we're getting our all out. Kurt Jurgens, I we're think. We're getting our villains mixed yeah. up then. So what's, what's Donald Pleasance Oh, he did. Him? He played Blofeld. You only lived twice. Oh, see? I wasn't going mad then. That's shocking. My, my, I really oh, apologise for that. Thank God for that. Right, anyway. I was going to say, he's not famous for... I mean, most people say he's famous for playing Blofeld. Yeah. You only live twice. But the thing is, wasn't um, uh, Austin Powers... Um, the, Based on, yes. The, the thingy. Doctor Evil. Doctor Evil, yeah. based on him. Yes, I think yes. so. There we go. Then. Right, anyway, sorry for that breakdown in that. That's that's uh, That'll never happen again. God, uh, when people look at work. Donald Pleasance, he's Doctor Loomis from Halloween. He was in Halloween 1, 2, 4 and 5. He could make three. Well, three, weirdly, had nothing to do with the character of Michael Myers. It had to do with a rogue toy company trying to take over kids' minds. And it's pretty. it's had some pretty gruesome things in it, like masks that turned into worms. And, uh, oh, and God. No, I won't be It's horrible. But, um, pretty cool. But Halloween 3 is not one of those ones called The Season of the Witch. It was just taken... It, it was a good Halloween film, but it had nothing to do with Michael Myers. I mean, the later Halloween films, obviously, because Donald Pleasance passed in 1995, he could only he could only take part. I, I would think that if he, if he was still with us now, he would still be in the Halloween films. In the same way, not to a lesser extent, Jamie Lee Curtis is still in the Halloween films. Jamie Lee Curtis has two other Halloween films to fetch. As part of the new deal that she signed, she's got two other, two other deals. Anyway, speaking of Jamie Lee Curtis, she's in this film. She's not. She is. She's the voiceover at the start. Yeah, I didn't know that, but there you go. So there's there's your link between Halloween, Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, tenuous at best. Arnie Schwarzenegger, True Lies. True Lies, yeah. Fish James, Called Wonder. 
Fish called Wonder. Oh, how do we get to James Spader from here? Uh, okay, I'll have a think. I don't think we can. Um, Isaac, Isaac Hayes. But yes, but do you know what? I, I, I looked. At, you know, he's more of um, an all-rounder. He's more of a sort of actor and composer. He's an extremely good composer. Obviously, Shaft is legendary. It's a legendary score. It's brilliant. It's like well, Was I he prefer th- Bullet. The voice of the chef in. Uh, I'm, st- I'm. Oh, getting me. South Park. S- South Park. Yes, he it. is. Yeah. Wow. Right. We can all go home now. Because <laughs> <laughs> he made that naughty song, didn't he? About. Chocolate salty, chocolate salty balls. Yes. Yeah. Harry Dean Stanton, the brain. Of course, he is Molly Ringwald's dad in Pretty in Pink. Oh, they're all linking together. He's also an alien. We've done Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. But Twin it. Peaks, Wild at Heart. Yeah. What do we always say after this when we talk about Wild at Heart? We really must watch Wild at Heart. Yeah, Guess what we, we don't do? No. Watch yeah. Wild at Heart. No. We might be still be saying this, this when we celebrate our second anniversary. We still haven't seen Wild at Heart. <laughs> um, but yes, um, Adrian Barbo. So she's the, obviously the, the woman that's alongside Brains. Oh, she's constantly got her boobs exposed hmm. well, for the whole movie. There was no need for that. I, I guess at that particular t- juncture in, in movie making, if you've got it, flaunt it. I don't know. But no, no it wasn't necessary. Well, anyway, there we go. strangely enough, <laughs> I, I mean, we don't discuss this, right? Strangely enough, Adrian Barbeau was married to John Carpenter. She's married to the director. Right. Right, so yeah, the very healthy, healthy man. Um, she was in The Fog. She's in Cannonball Run. For the nerds, I found that, uh, I wouldn't have known this, but for the nerd nerds, the people that are far, far more educated than me, she was Catwoman. She voiced Catwoman in the early 90s Batman animated series and also in a series called Gotham Girls. I don't know any of these. I mean, I don't know Gotham Girls. I know Birds of Prey because that was amazing. But Gotham Girls, nope, just passed me by. But Adrian Barbeau has, gets her assets referenced in Back to School. And here we are. We've not watched Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield and Robert Downey Jr. and Keith Gordon. That's the guy that blacks his face up. No, that's oh. Soul Man. <laughs> it in the title. Oh, the guy, guy's, right, he's the diver. He's basically the guy that goes to back to school. He's a rich guy, goes back to school, and he was in a diving club, and he wants his boy to be a good diver, and, and it's it's a teen comedy. And we nearly watched it as part of last season, but we never oh, got to it. Yes, you stopped it, didn't you? But I always said, let's go back. So I showed you the trailer, and you went, yeah, that looks all right. Mm. And it is. It's 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 like in the sort of it's one of those things that police you know I watched Police Academy last week. Um, you did, and I really enjoyed it. I just it's a product of its time. There's certain things in there that you honestly couldn't get away with now um, at all. But it's a product of its time. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Is it silly? Yes. Do I like the blue oyster bar? Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> Could you get away with that now? Absolutely not. Anyway, um, so yeah. Uh, Adrian Barbo, but she plays Rodney Dangerfield's wife at the start of Back to Back to School. She's okay. in it for ten minutes. That's it. Okay. That's all we say. Right. Uh, Susan Hubley was married to Kurt Russell. The girl she's referred to in the film as the girl in chock full of nuts, i.e. the shop, the restaurant, yeah. yeah, the diner, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's his wife. I don't understand though. Right. What was the point of her being in the film? Because she's his wife. Is that it? 
I don't know. Well, she was hardly in it for very long. She was very. Uh, get me wrong. It didn't and feel like just to, like why put those, in. Like other humans were like coming up from the floorboards. That was all a bit weird. As yeah, well. I didn't. I didn't know. We'll get to that in a moment. Oh, um, a and the last one is Tom Atkins, and Tom Atkins plays Lee Van Cleef's like number two, the guy with the mustache and the, the sort of greyish hair. Oh yeah. Every time I look at Tom Atkins, he, d- he isn't. I mean, I I have no roll call, but he is Michael Huntsecker from Lethal Weapon. The girl that... Do you remember Lethal Weapon? Yeah. Right at the start, the girl jumps off the balcony. In um. she, she basically... That's the start. Plays Jingle Bell Rock at the start of Lethal Weapon. It's a classic opening. She's she's uh, goes out and says she's obviously high on something. Uh, okay. And she goes over the side. Right. And she, she falls to her death. Um, Michael Huntsecker is... She, Tom Atkins plays her dad. Okay. Um, and again, he's in it briefly, but he's, he's just good. When he's allowed to speak and he's allowed to do it, he's really good. Mm. Anyway, that's roll call. A little bit heavy, a little bit longer this time. But anyway, let's get back to the film. Mm. So, set the scene then. There's a film made in 1981. Yeah. Um, in 1988, the crime rate in the US rose 400%. Uh, Manhattan Island became a maximum security prison. Hmm. Um, with a 50-foot wall containment and all the bridges are mined. Yeah. There's no guards inside the perimeter, only prisoners. And once you go in, you don't come out. You're writing all this down in this house? Yeah, yeah. I wrote it down when I was watching the movie. Okay. Because I wanted to kind of remember all that because it was important, obviously. Hmm. So this was back in 98. The prison was created in 91, I think it was. And then it's... The present day is 1997. So this yeah. is a movie made in 1981 that's predicting some kind of future um, in 1997. So it's like a 16-year gap. Hmm. So um, for me, I first thought, oh, actually, this, this feels kind of timeless. But as the film went on, I just completely changed my mind. I even remember saying to you, it's quite timeless, this movie, isn't it? And you were like, really? I was like, oh, okay. So I carried on watching and uh, it just felt like the graphics completely let it down, as well as some Mm. of the acting and the the plot. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, the graphics were awful. Um, It doesn't make, right, it doesn't make, so while we were talking about the setup for it, the police, are, you know, the the security stationed at the Statue of Liberty. You know, that's, uh, I was that's, going to say that, yeah. Oh, sorry. But here's the bit Which I don't Which is understand. irony in itself, isn't it? <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. I is mean, it irony? Metaphor. Oh, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Right. Um, so, oh, irony, yeah. It's definitely an irony. Um, they say that they found... Pretty much, if you station it all off and then left people to it, right, and that's it, you know, you can live in this city and everything like this. They've got electricity and they've got food. And the way they, the way they justify the electricity is, oh, some people have managed to cobble together generators. Mm. Generators don't power an entire city. Generators don't power, you know, street lights. You know, the street lights on. You know, if, yeah, you're, if you're trying to conserve energy and you can conserve electricity... They, they seem to have an abundance of it. There were a lot of street fires, street fires as well. Yeah, you know, like the burning bin things. Yeah, and it, and it, the the thing I think it did get right is the scene, is is the the 
you know, forget the graphics for the moment, forget the special effects. It's it set the scene. You you pretty much believe this was this was, you know, as it says, a, you know, a prison Connolly, prison Connolly, Connolly. But yeah, I think that looked good. But there's a lot of things in there. I mean, you know, if this was updated in 1997, did they what did they do? Did, did they turn the phone lines off? Did they turn communication off? Did they turn anything like that? And I would have liked to have seen that explored a little further. And you know, the one thing you talked about is the people emerging from the, the you know, from the ground. Underground? Why? Well, Why did they what, do that? So, so, can, and it was almost we... like it was like you know, extras from thriller video or something. Yeah, because they they were just trying to chase people. Were they trying to eat the other people? I don't know. I just, well, this is it. I, I think you should understand it. If you have something like that, it should explain the context. Uh, the week before last. Sorry, I'm not going through my Netflix uh, things, but I had Demolition Man. Do you remember Demolition Man? No. Wesley Snipes, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone's called the Demolition Man because everything that he goes to, he ends up raising it to the ground because he, he's hard and he's a good cop. Um, but yeah, he makes a mistake. They both get frozen and they wake up in the future. They wake up in 2030, where everything's all like PC and all this sort of stuff, right? But there are people living underground. So everything above ground is all, you know, every time you swear, you get a fine and all this sort of stuff, right? And down, Dennis Leary leads this group of people underground. And they're basically the resistance, the people that have been pushed. And so we don't know what to do with you. So you go down, you, you go down there. That explains it. So when you watch something like Demolition Man, which is a good film, it's worth watching. There's at least an explanation for these sorts of things. And I guess if you're John Carpenter, you go, do you know what? I don't owe you an explanation. I don't owe you any explanation about this. You just need to join me on this ride and things will happen and I won't explain them. But but you'll just have to, your imagination will have to fill in the gaps and say, the people were down there because they got affected by something or their eyesight got affected or they don't like the light. Fill in the gaps. Use and your I imagination. Don't get it. But the trouble but the trouble is, without any context, without the slightest bit of context, it just goes, Oh, these people come up from here, take the girl from the shop full of nuts, he shoots a couple of them, he gets away. He's even he's even running past them at some point. Mm. He's even standing while they run past him. Mm. And you're like, why are they avoiding him? When they've just tried to attack him in the in there. Why is oh so I I, th- I think it's accumulation of like things you know, like that, that that I'm going. I'm I'm all for using imagination in films. I'm all for that. Um, you know, the only one I can think of the top top of my head is your imagination runs away with you when Mr. Blonde tortures the cop in Reservoir Dogs. You don't see the ear. Your imagination takes over, and it tells your brain what's going on. Mm. You only hear it. That's an example of the context, and then. I'll, as a director, I'll let you go and make your own mind up. Yeah, but there was nothing like that, though. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing, is there? Because there was no purpose to no. it. It just didn't... Well, there's no purpose to him getting caught and then ended up in a boxing match. Oh, God, yeah, well, come on to that. That's just... But... It's, well, it's not worth anyway, so the, match, was it? the president's on his way to a... The president's on his way to, um, uh, a, you know, a peace summit. Um, the plane gets hijacked... As in the the people that that they are, you know, hijacked. They close the cockpit. This is pre nine eleven. Cockpit's open. They jam the cockpit and they crash the plane. The president's put into a pod. The pod is ejected with the president with a briefcase round his 
chained chained around his wrist. Um, Kurt Russell is um, taken out of prison and said, if you do this, we'll pardon you. If you go in and get the president out of New York, um, but you can't get a swim in there, they'll know. You can't fly in there because they'll know. So he glides in. They, they give him a glider. But not before they put two implants in him that say, you have now got 24 hours. Is it 24 hours? No, I it's think? less than that because they take about an hour and a half just to just get to, all through that. Yeah. So yeah, he's basically got like 22 and a half hours. And then it'll small explosion which will break two of the arteries and they'll die instantly. Yeah, how oh, lovely. Hmm. Definitely. I don't. I just. I just don't understand. I don't understand the premise of the plane crash. That's the thing I have a real problem with. Is that how do they know that they're going to crash? They they're going to crash the plane into New York. It just seems there seems way too many things. Again, I'm not knocking this film. But I am. What do you mean? How do they know they're going to crash the? Plane well, because into New York? They, they hijacked the plane. What, to intentionally crash it in New York? Was that always the yes. plan? Yes, because they had the president. Right. But on board. if they did all their research, they know that there's this pod thing that can go, can be ejected at some point. Maybe they didn't know. Oh. Not very good planning. Though. Is there really actually a pod? You'd never know, would you? No. Well, you never know what the, 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 the protection is. The you, you can watch Air Force One. There's a pod in the Harrison Ford Air Force One. Is there? Yeah. Because he ejects it, um, but isn't in it. Oh. Which is great. Maybe there is then. Air Force One. I don't know. Well, these, the, the people that, that map, they're, they're called uh, Janes, basically. It's the company that maps all these military aircraft and, and they, they do one on Air Force One. But I guess there's areas that they just don't get told about. So, and the capabilities of the plane, who knows? Um, he has to go in and get the president. The stupid thing was, though, like the crash site, hmm. the, the, you, you're expecting him when he's going in that he'll be at the crash site, but he doesn't go there first, does it? He? he goes and finds the pod first. Yeah. And um, that, like, messed with my head a bit because there wasn't enough destruction. Because <laughs> so I was thinking, oh, the, stru- the, the buildings are still up. Yeah. You know, knowing what we know about planes crashing into... Yeah, we're knowing what we know now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there'd be far more devastation and disruption and, and chaos and, 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 and debris and whatnot. And there was hardly anything. It was like a strategically placed kind of like wreckage as if it's, you know, just kind of landed on a hill. Yep. And sort of broken up a little bit. And that's not reality. That mm. certainly wouldn't have happened. And, um, you know, there'd have been nothing left of it to be honest so and there'd be far more fireballs going on loads more stuff on fire Hmm. Um, so yeah it just didn't make sense and um, like the pod yeah that that perplexed me as well yeah uh, surely he would have stayed in the pod until somebody came to rescue him because there should have been a code and only select people know the code or whatever yeah I don't know uh, I just and then it, it, the pod's open and he's not there. Yeah. I don't mm. know. I, I just found it a bit weird. Yeah. And then he goes from, he just goes from thing to thing, meeting people, then meeting Harry Dean Stanton, and then meeting the Duke. And then it's just from one thing to the next. Mm. And each one of them seemed completely disconnected from the other. Yeah. 
uh, as in the flow in the film, it just doesn't flow. No, it didn't flow. If you, if you've got if you've got this guy, uh, in in the middle of basically, pretty much holding the leader of the free world hostage, at some you know at some point, and so you decide to stop while you, the, the captive um, snake Pliskin fights this big guy in a boxing ring with everyone around. With a bat. With a bat, and you're like. That seems really out of place. It seems just yeah, like... Yeah, there's no, no yeah. context for it. I mean, I just I just, I just, just found it disappointing. I, I actually stopped writing at that point because I was just like thinking, this film's just annoying me now. This film is supposed to be Blade Runner and it ends up being, well, I don't know, just, just, just disappointing mm. in, in a sense. So I noticed there was like some Tron style 80s graphics. Yes, and we'll get to those in Rockwell. night vision yeah, yeah. in the aeroplanes, which was okay, but it all felt a little bit kind of like over-egged. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because it doesn't look like that, does it? No. So Absolutely not. Yeah, and there was some really bad graphics of the glider. That just Oh, that, just... the glider was pushed over the side, wasn't it? And it spun, and yeah. it basically looked like somebody had just origami the plane and chucked yeah. it at the camera. Yeah. There's just, you know, we, we, you know, we are in the era, we are five years after Star we're at this point, we're four years after Star Wars. Right. We're two years after Alien. I'm not being funny, but must try harder. Uh, because it, it, would there's, have been, there's, it would have been better to have dangled a real sort of like model glider <laughs> Very, like a little in front of a picture of the World Trade Centre yeah that would have been far more realistic yeah even it, I could have done better well maybe we can remake it oh shall we no yeah. let's not okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I haven't read after that uh, if you want to watch if you want to watch the end the, 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 the end oh god what happened with that taxi on the bridge right because like all oh, the bridges yeah. were mined yeah. weren't they and so like, he's trying to get out he's trying to get found a map quickly, of yeah. the mines that were plotted or, or something brains brains had a plot which a, was just like and you're going what, how would you know how that? would you know that unless exactly. you've actually gone and surveyed detonated it. them well or found them or, or found some way of, again not explained no fine he's just got a map and why did the duke have two chandeliers on the end of his know, car that's pretty cool that's right that's just like it's pretty cool though isn't it okay um okay. i've lost my train of thought now but the taxi goes over oh, the one taxi. of the mines yeah it goes over the mine and then it's like just literally split in half sword in it, it looks like a very clean sort of sword yeah, it's in like half, been sawn it? in half and you're like there's no way that would have happened to a taxi unless it was like actually two cars welded together yeah Absolutely. Which it could have been. Mm. No, well, I mean, it, like, as a taxi, the, it, like a ringer. Uh, well, even then, it's, you still see some jagged, you know, jagged <laughs> edges. Like, it, didn't, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. Yeah. The, the final scene where the president's making his speech to the nation, that's funny. Well, I found it all a bit farcical. And, and like, I just thought, well, it, he actually... For what he's been through, he didn't actually give a damn, did he? Of the fact that what he'd been through was quite horrific. Yeah, he'd got this sort of acting role to play as being the president. It was almost as if yeah, you know, it wasn't like he'd, he'd been. He looked like he'd been beaten. Yeah, he but like he'd got he'd been, loads of makeup on afterwards. Yeah, to, to like present live on yeah. the telly. 
as if nothing had happened. I think what was happening was he was he was pretending he was somewhere on the way to the um, convention and he'd got um, yeah. like, like diverted way, way or late, way, yeah. way laid. Um, so I think maybe that was why he'd got loads of makeup on to make him look like he was just waylaid and late. Yeah. Um, and that's why he had to play the tape. No, the tape, the tape was um, discussions or things that were had. It sounded like it was going to, he was going to basically, they'd had this meeting and he was going to blow the lid off something. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't paying that much attention. It was supposed to, it was supposed to keep world peace. Right. Okay. This oh. tape, because oh. it was uncovering something about nuclear. It's, something it's funny that he swapped the tapes. So yeah. Yeah, he swapped the tape for what was it? Some kind of uh, some like jazz jazz thing. Yeah. Something. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I like that bit. And then yeah. you know walks off into the distance and should we do um trivia time? Because it might actually make you feel a bit better about the film. Go on then. Trivia time. Should we do it? Yeah. It's trivia time. Trivia time. Okay, so trivia time. There's lots of it, so oh, I had to just no, no. But what I did is I just, I just um, the the ones that I think are interesting. Uh, okay. Okay, so the model of the city set was repainted and reused for Blade Runner. So I kind of like that okay. because when I talk about the sets being looking like realistic and stuff, they just reuse them for okay. Blade Runner a year later. Brilliant. Um, the wireframe computer graphics on the display screens in the glider were not computer generated, as computers capable of 3D wireframe imaging were too expensive when the film was made. So, this is the bit that I was going to tell you about. The Tron stuff? Yeah. Right. To generate the wireframe images, special effects designers built a model of the city, painted it black, and attached white tape to the model buildings in an orderly grid and then just move the camera through the model. Oh. Which makes you think like you're watching computer graphics. Oh, like grid okay. Because yeah. they couldn't afford the computers at the time. Oh, my God. See, now I kind of like that yeah, because I just think, because yeah. yeah. I think back to when we look at, we, you and I, well, you treated me um, to Solo, when we went to see Solo. Oh, yeah. At the... Um, electric Cinema. Electric Cinema in Birmingham. And we had the guy from Blind, the people that do the... Um, graphics some of the graphics some of the graphics and vector graphics and things like that yes. to make it look like all Star Warsy. and I was fascinated because he just loved his work yeah. you know I'd occasionally see them on Twitter and they post something if it's an anniversary something or work they've done <laughs> I'm just saying you guys just great and we, we share the love and then we see each other <laughs> year, year later, later. <laughs> that's it um, but yeah they, they, were, they said we take great craft in doing this yes. and you're thinking well they, they probably did because yeah. they went but just because they hadn't any money. Right. So I kind of like that. Um, Kurt Russell kept all his costumes from the film. It says all his costumes from the film. Yeah, he only wore one thing. He's very pleased 70 years later when he made Escape from LA because he could still fit into them. So he kept the costumes. Although ultimately, he and John Carpenter decided to change the costume for the sequel. Um, Kurt Russell based his performance on who... Who do you think he'd based what predominantly actor from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, noughties, still going? 
direct an animal. Uh, who do you think? Who do you think he reminds you of? Oh, um, would I know them? Yeah, you well, you would because they would be Clint Eastwood. Oh, he's not Clint Eastwood. Well, he tries to be. He's not. He Clint tries Eastwood. to be. What I'm saying he's is, not. he based his performance on oh, isn't that Lord. I'm doing the whole thing. No. Um, uh, Hideo Kojima, um, who is the very famous um, producer of the Metal Gear Solid video games, yeah, Solid Snake is partially influenced by Snake Plissken. Okay, yeah, I've heard that. In Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, Snake actually uses the alias Pliskin to hide his real identity during most of the game. Right. Which I think is a good one. The film's setting proved to be a potential problem for John Carpenter, who needed to create a decaying, semi-destroyed version of New York City on only a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. He and production designer Joe Alves, who directed Jaws 3, shout out, rejected shooting on location in New York City because it's too hard to make it look like a destroyed city. Carpenter suggested shooting on a bat lock, but Alves nixed the idea because the texture of a real street is not like a bat lock. They then sent their location manager on a sort of all-expenses-paid trip across the country looking for the worst city in America. Oh, God. <laughs> Who um, got the grand prize? It was... Um, Bernie suggested East, St. East Louis in Illinois because it was filled with old buildings that exist in New York City now and have that CD rundown quality that the team were looking for. It didn't it didn't hurt the fact that they had riots, recent, recent riots, and they just hadn't rebuilt the city. So that's what they... That's what they uh, decided on that. And I just think, yeah, let's just go to a city that's already been destroyed and just uh, let's use that. Um, the, there is one that, that the only... That there's only one scene in that's actually in New York um, that's filmed in New York the rest of it's all filmed on location um, the original negative was considered lost but later found by the current owner of the film MGM it was subsequently used to create new elements for the special edition DVD now the version we watched was the 4K version so the mm. recently restored one which is why it looked pretty impeccable it looked really <laughs> quite sharp it made the, the glider graphics look even worse yes, then. It did. well yes, as 4k <laughs> can do absolutely maybe we need to watch it on vhs verse verse <laughs> um the production design department will get their props by taking several um dump trucks to the local landfills and filling them up with broken refrigerators and car shells oh, just God. bringing them back and just using them and just they clean them up on afterwards fire. or just leave them well, i don't know i don't think anyone would notice really if you <laughs> if it was that as that bad uh, the film was shot from August to November 1980. Uh, it was a tough and demanding shoot for John Carpenter, as he recalls. We'd finished shooting around 6am, and I'd just begun to sleep at 7 when the sun would be coming up. I'd wake up about 5 or 6, depending on whether or not we had the dailies that they could see. And, and by the time I got going, the sun would be setting. So for about two and a half months, I never saw daylight, and it was oh, really strange. God, that's depressing. <laughs> Absolutely. I love this, and... Nerds, nerd alerts. Cyberpunk pioneer William Gibson credits the film as an influence on his novel, New Romancer. It, I was intrigued by the exchange in one of the opening scenes where the warden says to Snake, you flew the gulf fire over Leningrad, didn't you? It turns out to just be a throwaway line, but for a moment it worked like the best science fiction where a casual reference can imply a lot. And he ends up writing, a, on the strength of the line, he ends up getting a, an idea for a book. A very famous book now. 
So called what? Neuromancer. Never heard of it. Well, cyberpunk pioneer. Oh, there you go then. Mm. Uh, the original. I love this one. The original lobby poster art for the film shows the head of the Statue of Liberty laying in the middle of a New York City street. And I do remember that. It's a bit like Planet of the Apes. You get, you know, yeah. the, we don't see that, but it's a bit, you know, the, the sort of image. But her head was on the statue. It was on the side. Planet of the, Planet of the Apes. No, in this film. Yes, exactly, yeah. But what I'm saying is that for the art, it was in the street. Oh. Right? Even though this is completely absent from the film and the statue is shown very much intact multiple times. Yeah. The 2008 film, Cloverfield. Do you remember Cloverfield? I do, yes. yes which involves an unseen force destroying New York City, yes. actually answers the poster and pays homage to Escape from New York by including a shot where the statue's head is lopped off and actually ends up winding down the street. You hear clunk, 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 clunk. You see this thing coming towards you and you don't know what it is and it's the head of the Statue of Liberty and it ends up in the street in the exact pose where the, the, the poster was. Yeah, but the thing is though, the Statue of Liberty is over in the, in the Hudson. It's not by a street. No, no. What I'm saying is, the the thing was so big that it lops the head off, and it travels and it flies over all the city until it ends up in the street where the, oh, where the footage okay. is. A bit like a football. Um. So says JJ JJ Abrams, um, the the producer. He says, "I love that movie, The Kid, but one of the things that drove me crazy is the poster had this picture of the head, the Statue of Liberty, in the middle of the street, but it's never in the movie." And I felt it was such a crazy, scary image. That just had to be in our movie. <laughs> the poster art for Cloverfield displays a headless Statue of Liberty in New York City Harbour, which I thought it was great. Um, in 1981, again, we're at book novelizations of films. Mm-hmm. Bantam Books published a movie tie-in novelization written by Mike McKay that adopts a lean, humorous style reminiscent of the film. The novel is significant because it includes scenes which were cut out of the film such as the Federal Reserve Depository robbery, which results in Snake going to prison in the first place. Oh, right, yeah, because you don't know why. You don't know why. Well, he did a robbery. There was no, there was no backstory robbery. to it. It just felt a bit weird. Well, here's the novel. As, as ever, the novel will provide you some... <laughs> the novel provides motivation and backstory to Snake and Hawk, both disillusioned war ve- veterans, deepening their relationship that was only hinted at in the film. The novel explains how Snake lost his eye during the battle for Leningrad in World War Three, Right. How Hawk became warden of New York and Hawk's quest to find his crazy son who lives somewhere in the prison. The novel fleshes out the world that these characters exist in, at times presenting a future even bleaker than the one depicted in the film. The book explains the West Coast is a no-man's land and the country's population is being driven crazy by nerve gas as a result of the fallout from World War Three. Now... Does that explain why people are living under, underneath Maybe. the city then? But it still doesn't because, <laughs> well, I don't know. Go on. Then, then that's the gap. That's the jigsaw piece in your imagination. There you go. Maybe, it's because Maybe they've, they've been affected. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. All right. Um, <laughs> studio, studio executives wanted Charles Bronson for the role, but John Carpenter said he's too old. John, uh, Kurt Russell decided to wear the eye patch at the last second before shooting. He didn't tell John Carpenter. John Carpenter saw him walk in and went, love it, let's keep that. It's fine. Um, now, did this bug you? Although appearing as President of the United States, Donald Pleasant still retains his unmistakable British accent. Mm-hmm. According to John Carpenter, Pleasant, 
probably feeling self-conscious about his accent, suggested the script include a backstory to explain this glaring constitutional faux pas. <laughs> Pleasance came up with the idea of dystopian United States having rejoined the British Empire, in which case the president no longer needed to be a natural-born citizen. Carpenter thought the idea was interesting, but would be both distracting and totally unnecessary to the story, opting simply to just not mention anything about the accent at all. That's bizarre. So, or, or the president could have been educated in the UK. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, well, could have been. Even less of a backstory required. Uh, Lee Van Cleef flew in from Los Angeles for a one-night shoot and flew out the next day. Oh, we didn't waste any time, did he? When John Carpenter watched, watched the daily, so he watched back the footage that he had, he discovered that some of Lee Van Cleef's close-ups were out of focus. Carpenter was forced to use some of the close-ups in the movie since they couldn't afford to get the actor back. So when you looked at some of those things, you just you, you might have thought, oh, is that arty? It's because he's blurring it and stuff. No, just got out of focus. Sorry. I noticed that, you yes. know, when they were walking down the corridor. I yeah. thought... Is there something wrong with this? Is that the restoration to like upgrade to 4K? Of like <laughs> kind of like blended the background, no, that's just like directing soft, oversight, soft lensed everything else other than like the centerpiece. That was funny. Well, oh, okay. Well, they were forced to use the close-ups because they couldn't afford to get him back. Ah. Lee Van Cleef also suffered a knee injury, knee injury prior to filming and wasn't fully recovered when it came time to film the scenes. Hmm. Um, his wife Barbara was on set to make sure the actor could get through his scenes. Oh. So you look at it that way. Um, I was crossed, only there a day. Exactly. I, I crossed a lot of these out. Um, co-writer Nick Castle, love this, Nick Castle, played Michael Myers throughout most of John Carpenter's film Halloween. He played Michael Myers. Oh. Now, you might say, doesn't need a great deal of acting to do Michael Myers. But you have to be that imposing figure, despite the mask, despite everything else. It, uh, it has to work that way. Um, it's a bit like Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. It's a mask. You're you know. quoting stuff. I have no idea uh, what you're no, Well, you've heard of Friday the 13th. I've never watched it. don't know what it's okay. about. Okay, hockey mask, Jason Voorhees. Anyway, right. Um, oh, that's who you tried to dress up as at Halloween. That's who I did dress up as at Halloween, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's um, pretty scary. Uh... Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell had recently become a father to his first child beforehand, Boston Russell. Often when he got back from a day shooting, he had to bottle feed his son, which would have looked rather strange considering he was generally still in costume. Snake, <laughs> snake, snake Pliskin feeding the kid. You know? It's, uh, we're all there. Uh, um, the oh, cameo, the Secret Service agent attempting to break into the cockpit of Air Force One at the beginning of the movie is the son is Stephen Ford he's the son of former president Gerald Ford which I love I like just like that it's just it's just a thing it's just a statistic it's just whatever and that's it for trivia time wow there's plenty of it but I just thought those were the most pertinent ones because those are the ones that I just thought yeah a bit of depth yeah Yeah, a bit of depth so um, I don't know what the moral of this tale is um Maybe it's you don't get to choose. I don't know. What's the? Is that the moral of the story? What do you mean? You don't get to choose the films. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> what, do, what do you think? Well, no, because this is my season. Because I'm choosing. Thanks. You're not choosing them all. No, well, most of them. Well, I get Rocky Four. 
Is that action? At one hundred percent. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know what. You, I don't know how much more action you want. East, east versus west. Okay. Especially because there's a director's cut coming out. <laughs> so, you know, we can... Uh, oh, nicely timed. He's, he's working on it right now. Well, the thing is, we could still do Rocky Fall and then refer back to it, the director's cut. We don't know when that's going to be released. But I want, I'd love to do it this season. Right. So, um, okay, if we are playing the uh, um, It's My Season... Um, game, then what are we doing next? Do you know? I don't, I don't know. No? I don't know. I'll have to have a look at the list. The look at the list. Look at the list. Do you, do you want me to give you the list? Well, no, because then that'll spoil it. Well, we just spoiled it last time. Well, no. We said, oh, next, next time, our <laughs> rusted joke, we'll be doing Escape from New York. <laughs> yeah, because I was really excited about it. Okay, well, you can be excited about some of the other no, stuff. No, let's just talk offline, because I don't want to go down a rabbit hole and then think, oh, actually, we should have chosen that film. We're going to watch Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's, let's hope. To, all I can say is let's hope that some of the other selections that that have, I don't know, some some flicker of good memory in there um, turn out to be a lot better. Okay. Do you, Do you think though that this film has any parallel with what's going on at the moment? What that New York's a not particularly nice place to be at the moment. Well, I don't know if it is or if it isn't. Well, the, 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 I mean the reports. It's not, you know, it's probably not for discussion on, on something like this. But from the reports I've seen, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there's. It feels like a lot of people have vacated the city, and the city's kind of left to itself at the moment. So probably not. I think the most diplomatic way of putting it is probably not the New York that you visited. No. Oh well, God, that was years ago, though. No, that, but once the, I, the Twin Towers was still there when I visited. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Obviously, yeah, there's something like that. But I'm just thinking about, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I was, I was look at New York and I look at the, you know, the great people there and all the things mm. that they, they've, they've endured. So I, I don't, I, I can't comment because I don't know what's going no, on. No. But it doesn't. It seems like there's an exodus of some sort, um, and I don't know if that, if the, you know, the people will will go back. There's a lot of people in California and things like that. You don't hear about this. No. But well, we are quite, you know, ostracised. Yeah, but I read. I, from, yeah, I the, I end up reading a lot of stuff. From world news. They only tell us what they want us to know. Um. Well, okay. We're getting into. We're getting into. Uh, no, no, they do though, don't they? They they kind of you know just broadcast what they think we should know. Um. We don't seem to have a very good um platform for global news, really. Um. But yeah, it just. Uh, I don't know, I just felt like there was a bit of a, I don't know, maybe there's a parallel, people living underground. Is that going to be people that refuse to have the... the uh, oh, don't go there. Yeah, I know where you're going. Don't go there. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, anyway, there we go. But well, yeah, I, you know, look, all, all of these things, as I say, we can use, you can look at them and say, oh, you know, that, that, that resonates because I see the story that's trying to be told. I see behind the story that's trying to be told. It's, you know, um, it's a bit like when people say, you know, Jaws, Jaws isn't a film about a shark. Um, and I, I get that. It's Mark Kermode that, that came out with that one. Jaws mm. isn't a film about a shark. It's a film about lots of different things. It's a film about the breakdown of, you know, the, the, marriage, the strength yeah. of the community. It's not the breakdown of the marriage as such 
but you know the 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 different the different people existing in the same confined space there's a lot of different things going yeah. on i mean uh, only yesterday um i was reading a book um about shark films um that's what i only sample on kindle but but they make a good point in there if you look at the book jaws and you look at the film jaws the book doesn't the the book is a good read but wouldn't have made a good film at all at all mm. because there's so many things that they just that Spielberg just took a big red pen to and said that's not going in that's not going that's not going in and he ended up making the film that he wanted to in the end he made a masterpiece as no first time listeners here Jaws is my favourite film of all time but every time I watch Jaws I see something new and, and it's weird because it's well known that I've watched it over 300 times but I, 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 that's that to me is is perfect. It's a bit like The Godfather. I could watch The Godfather plenty of times. I just don't have the time now that I used to have in order to rack up those levels. But we started to watch The Godfather, and, and when you look at something like that, you go, it's it's too basic to say this is a film about uh, a shark attacking a local. But it is, and most people who watch it, that's what they get out of it. But yeah, you can always find a bit of. Bit of thing behind. So, what do you think this was trying to say? Then this film don't turn Manhattan Island into a into a prison. Well, it's I, I guess the, the utter contempt they they would they, these people that went there, you know, um, when uh, okay on a final on uh, I guess from a final when you look at when you watch Escape because I watched the trailer for Escape from LA with you mm. I watched before we started here before while you were upstairs um, I watched a scene from Escape from LA um, and it looks horrible you know it's like body parts and stuff like that I mean it's like really grim kind of stuff and I guess that what we'll be saying is if you put all these people in one place you know the the, the filth and stuff rises to the top and, and you know that the, there will be some people in there that there is a hierarchy yeah there will be yeah absolutely um, and I guess it's just you know the good the, the people outside aren't as good as you think they are the president you know will lie the president will cheat the, the military will be strong arming um, you know who's who's the good guys who's the bad guys you know is it so clear cut I I don't know because I didn't read it that much into it. I mm. kind of like switched off. Um, but yeah, um, for me, I, I I I read the stories of New. York, I don't. Know, I'll get back to it. But I read the stories in New York, and, and it seems heartbreaking because I want to go and visit it. I want to go and visit in its glory. I want to visit it. And at the moment, while everything's going through what it's going through, um, it's just not the right place to visit at the moment. It's just not the right. Or time. we can't. We physically can't get there. So. It's not the right time. No. no. But we will, one day. We yeah, will. We will. Um, anyway, right. So, I can't tell you what the film is next time. <laughs> but I can tell us, I can tell us, I can tell you as well, um, that you can find us at RustyJPod on both Twitter and Instagram. And also, if you type in Rusty Junk, you're not going to get a lot of hits apart from us. Um, unless you get some scrap metal people. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, who knows. Um, but yeah, if you are thinking of setting yourself up as a scrap metal merchant and calling yourself <laughs> Rusty Junk, can we just have a bit of yeah, a bit of a, a bit of love, you know, a case of wine or something? Um, so yeah, um, 
go and search for us on Facebook and you will find us. And you can even, oh, well, the fact is you're listening to the podcast anyway. So there's an alternative way to listen to us. Don't do it because it'll just set it off. I know, I'm not going to do it. Just tell you your your speaker that's intelligent and always listening at you. Um, tell it to, to oh, we can say Alexa, play, like like Alexa, because play, we don't have anything. No, but don't do that because if someone's broadcasting and they've got an Alexa speaker, it will kick it in. Well, you just you just <laughs> you just said so. It would have sparked up with the A word, should we say? You would have sparked it up and you would have said, "I'd just like to kick it in." All right. Okay. Oh, okay. So anyway. So right, you let's can, not do you that can again. Ask your intelligent speaker. Yes. To play. Hey, intelligent speaker. Play Rusted Junk podcast. Yeah, and it does work. And it'll go. Oh, hello. Do you want? Do you want this one? Yeah. Playing Rusted Junk. Yeah, but it won't podcast. play. What? What do we say? Play it plays the latest, the latest one. one. Does it? Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're listening to the latest one. Yeah. So, so. Good play. <laughs> maybe you could go back and say, anyway. "Hey, intelligent speaker, play Rusted Junk um, Commando." Maybe, I don't know. Should we try it? Oh. Okay, Google. Play Rusted Junk Commando. Okay, which app do you want to use? Spotify. Don't, don't keep activating. <laughs> don't don't, don't talk. Right, anyway, I hope you have more success than we do. <sighs> right, anyway, on that note, we're off. Um, so I am going to say I love you all. Keep listening. Uh, interact with us. We love hearing from you. Um, but cheerio from me. Toodle pip. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. Rusted junk. The forgotten 80s movies. The forgotten 80s movies. <laughs>